Welcome back to the Bitcoin Layer. I'm Nick Batia, and today we bring back Matt Dines. He is with Build. Matt, thanks for joining us again. Hey, Nick, great to be here, and thanks for having me back. Of course, Matt. Uh, we have we're having you on today to discuss rates, what's going on in Treasuries, what's going on the front end of the curve. Um, specifically, we want to know is the Treasury market falling apart here or not? So we're going to go through a couple things, and we want to get your expertise. The first thing. I see you talking about the inversion in the bill curve. This is a nuanced part of money markets, but what's going on with three-month, six-month bills? Why is it important, and can you explain what quarter end has to do with any of this? Yeah. Um, so just to get started there, I think the leading uh, question was, is the Treasury market falling apart? Um, I mean, that's a tough one. We, we've been. We'll look at the chart here of the 10-year, the rates, the long end. It has not been a pretty... Um, I guess run here for the last three years uh, for for the bond bulls, if you will. But uh, is it falling apart? Uh, <laughs> that's a hard one to say. But we're we're in the middle of uh, a pretty violent cycle, and that's you know been apparent since I'd say late 2020. If you were watching closely, but it's just accelerated. Now from here, I think we're at an interesting point uh, as you look into into quarter end. Quarter ends are always um, kind of a time where things come to a head and in financial markets this is the time where all of the public entities the the banks whether it's the the large primary dealers the jp morgans the cities of the world down to the regionals that have had a lot of trouble uh flaring up so far in 2023 to the broker dealers to just everybody involved in the system this is where you got to come through and prepare your books um uh, to to look solvent right um and so this has been a you know we'll go we'll go uh and talk about the the 10 year and the long end um, and what they've been doing and they've had a lot of problems uh, but you can also look at the front end in the bills uh, portion of the curve the money markets if you will um, to see where the pressures are really springing up in the system versus the long end is going to tell you a lot about where the long-term investors with the you know 10 year 30 year balance sheet capacity are, are seeing um, uh, rates and and kind of the the preservation power um, of, of bonds themselves, but also real growth and inflation expectations in the economy. But if you're looking at these Monday auctions, right, and there, there's two key ones that I like to follow from a week-to-week -week basis that come in, the Monday and the Thursday. Every Monday morning, like clockwork every week, you have a three-month and a six-month bill that go into auction. They've gone up in size since we've got out of the debt ceiling uh, impasse in June. So they've raised them. Um, I think they're about $65 billion a week. They're going to add another $2 billion next week. I think I just saw announced yesterday. Um, so every Monday, you see a three-month and a six-month bill go off. And the auctions come on like right at the same time. Um, so you get a good measure of you know the system's capacity where it sees the demand for basically the, the short-term treasury IOUs uh, without duration and credit risk. Um, in the system. And then you've got on, on Thursday afternoons, um, technically morning here, I'm on the West Coast, so they come in in the morning, but you get the same thing, but the uh, one month and two month bill. So it's even a uh, shorter term look, if you will. So the Monday, I think, is pretty special because it gives you enough time frame between those two checkpoints on the front of the curve where you can start to really see um, some slope coming into play and where the system sees itself going. But the one, the one in two month, they're, they're just so close and so front end. Um, that's where you really see emergencies start to happen, like pressure building in the system. So for example, in March, you saw uh, the low rates on those one month and two month bills. You know, this is for 
uh, you know, if you have some overlap with, let's say, like Jeff Snyder's podcast and, and that stuff, like you saw just a ton of demand um, rushing into the front end collateral. Um, you know, basically you were seeing like 0% bids, just bids at par for treasury bills, like the rush of, uh, you know, flight to, to quality for that collateral in the system. The Bitcoin layer is sponsored by River. Make sure to check out river.com today or the link below in the description. River is our preferred place to purchase Bitcoin. Now, when you're buying Bitcoin, guys, there are several considerations. Number one, should I be using an exchange? Is the exchange custodying their own Bitcoin? Is the exchange using platforms to custody that we don't know? Is the exchange leveraging its Bitcoin for other purposes? Well, with River, we know that River does not use leverage of any kind. River also uses its own multi-sig solution so that your Bitcoin are not held by anybody else. So it's a very important thing to understand about what River offers. Now, River also has Lightning Network integration and a lot of other really exciting features. Go check out river.com today. What we're seeing now in the three and six month, um, and you can track this in this tweet. I, this is my one tweet. I just make sure I get every Monday, uh, you know, what happens in the three month and six month auction. Um, what we're seeing in that specific auction lately is um, the return of inversion uh, in the in those two maturities. So technically what we've been seeing since uh, I think July 27th was the, the Monday uh, this started, but we saw the six month begin clearing at yields below the three month. We've seen that for now, uh, I wanna say four weeks in a row, we've repeated yesterday. So like clockwork, um, it just keeps coming in. Um, and if you think about uh, this and the kind of the big picture cycle of kind of supply and demand in the money market and what this represents, what you typically see in the cycle is like as as um, kind of pressure materializes in the system, like the, the the banks, like these are all major financial institutions that are showing up at these auctions. So it's your it's your big banks, um, both domestically and then internationally. It's it's a high degree of uh, international um, you know financial institutions that going out and getting their dollar collateral at these treasury auctions every Monday, and that's the dynamic of what's making. Uh, the the supply or the, the the supply and demand you know mechanics at these auctions is making that uh, that longer term bill and longer term here just means six months. There's barely any duration on this bond. You're not going to see these big swings in price that you're going to get on a longer duration bond like a 10 year or 30 year, where you're seeing um, kind of the big the big losses that have materialized uh, in in the uh, in the bond complex. Um, you're seeing more demand now flooding into that longer uh, maturity at the bills curve, which is saying basically um, there's, there's a flight into safety, like to bid those back down. So that's the kind of the point in the cycle we're at where we've seen it twice now. Um, you usually see a run up, and this is that, that chart I post on the, uh, Mondays, you usually see a run up of this happening um, as a cycle, as a hike cycle matures. You know, it gets to you know peak terminal val uh, value, uh, if you will, for for Fed funds, or you know how high can we hike rates? You know how how much can the system technically absorb? Um, and you'll see this this uh, inversion appear, and then you always like clockwork, clockwork like the last three dollar cycles where we have you know solid data on the terminal. What you'll see is uh, 
uh, a let up in the inversion. So it'll renormalize based on some sort of easing event um, that looks like it, it alleviates the pressure uh, in the curve. And I'll go through and, and say like what those have been uh, with some examples, starting with this cycle and in the past. But usually uh, what happens is that first event doesn't actually clear the pressure out of the system and you see a return to that, that inversion and, and, and then you just keep going and then you have to get the pressure out of the system again. So that's kind of the, the standpoint of what we can talk about. But we, since July 27th, we've seen that second appearance of inversion at the front end of the curve. Um, that's been accompanied by um, the, the three-month bill and, and like the collateral yields coming um our repo rates coming below the three-month yield so there's no free lunch or sorry above sorry there's no free lunch now to go out and you know go pick up your collateral for you know at a yield uh or at, at a price cheaper than what it would cost you to go in and borrow more dollars in repo so all of those free dollars have been sucked out of the system they're vacuumed out which you know it amounts to you know a few basis points, but what it amounts to in the system is just millions of dollars on each T-bill issues. That's just kind of there for the grab for the financial system to go in and just get more dollars flowing in. That's disappeared, which at the, since July 27th, which means it's got to go somewhere else. That pressure has to go somewhere else, and that's where you know we don't know what that next event looks like, but there has to be some sort of. Uh, trigger, if you will, some weak point in the system that causes uh, that, that pressure to ease. Okay, so let's break this down for the audience. What we have, and let's take a look at this chart here. What we have is the number of consecutive weeks that the three-month, six-month bill curve is inverted. What that means is when a three-month, six-month bill curve is inverted, it means the yield on the six-month bill today in the auction, as Matt is saying, it's Monday auctions, the yield on that six-month bill is now coming in below the yield on the three-month bill. And in a hiking cycle, you would expect this slope to be positive in that the six-month yield should give you more money, more return than the three-month yield because you're holding it for longer. And as rates go up, you'll, you should, in theory, make more money on the six-month bill than on the three-month bill. But now it is inverted. It inverted in March when we had a regional banking crisis. And why did it invert at that time? Because now you think that cuts are coming, so you'd rather own the six-month bill than the three-month bill and lock in that yield in anticipation of cuts. But that scare resolved itself. The curve uninverted became normal again, and now we have a re-inversion where six-month builds are once again lower than three-month builds. That is an inverted curve. It's, it, it's either for one of two reasons, is what Matt is kind of saying here. The, one of the reasons is that something is going to happen over the next six months that actually causes the Fed to go into cuts. So some traders are trying to lock in that six-month build today. It's either that or there's some dynamic around window dressing, which is what he's saying when you try to make your balance sheet look pretty at the end of the quarter or the end of the year. So maybe there's a December 31st dynamic in which investors want to own the six-month bill today, secure that collateral for their own books so that it matures after 
the new year and in 2024 so that on December 31st, it's still on their books. If they buy a three-month bill today, it's going to mature in November and you might have to have an additional collateral scramble to go get some instrument for your books to make it look pretty. So that's the breakdown. That's the background here. What Matt is saying is that something is up. Six-month bills inverted to three-month bills is not normal. And then looking at the chart here, it actually only happens before things start to go bad. And each time that it's happened, you see this inversion and then it relaxes and then it comes back when investors realize, oh, wait, things probably aren't okay. And that's where we are today. So we're in the fourth week of inversion once again on these auctions. And it's an important trend to watch. So Matt, we'll be definitely staying with you um, as we go. Now, I want to shift a little bit to the longer end of the curve. On this chart, you have uh, the 10-year yield peaking up above the highs that we had last year and back to um, you know uh, a decade and a half high on the 10-year yield. So what are you seeing on the chart? Is this yield about to go toward 5% as we break out here? Or are we coming up some, uh, against some levels that you feel buying might actually come back into the market? So great questions. I uh, wish I knew with certainty uh, which way it was going to go. Um, I'll, I'll say this. So it looks like if you're drawing the lines you know, on the post-2008 channel, it is starting to look more and more to me like the bears are winning. And we've been in a secular bear market since, let's say, post-2008. Um, that's not for certain though, uh, because as you kind of see the green lines uh, moving from top left to bottom right, those are the the channels. Uh, you know, I've drawn in just to guide, you know, my trading uh, and understanding where these, where the market is at for duration yields, etc. Um, you still see a couple of channels of support uh, for for the bid on Treasuries, but those lines are coming from. A long time ago those are coming from 1981 to 1984 peak Volcker so that's the point where the the bulls on on yields you know bond prices up yields need to come down those are the last kind of like rungs of support that the bulls are counting on so if we break you know there are two very light lines there if we break those lines because you can kind of see this run the, the the bears have been on since um, mid 2020 right we've just gone from the way below the bottom of the channel, I'd argue that uh, the monetary uh, policy actions of, of Q1 2020 at peak, you know, COVID panic, you know, we, we definitely pushed way too far uh, at that point and pushed way below the channel of where, where, you know, the lines even looked like they should go. But it's just been this this run from where we were then to where we were now. It's 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 truly massive. I, I you know, can't can't say that enough how how um, how much ground we've covered in, in two to three years. And I think the kind of the level of, of drawdown and violence, historical return, everybody is kind of coming to a sense of that. But we're at the point now where we're hitting those uh, those levels of support, if you will, for bond prices. You know, we have to trace back to not just like, you know, pre-2008 or pre-2001 or even like pre-Gulf War. Like you've got to go back to the Volcker peak hikes of 1981 to 1984 to find the, that support for the treasury. Another way to think about it is um, kind of the pain line, if you will, of where the system could tolerate that level of yields before you get, you know, the bid to step in, you know, before there's too much pain. Um, and these are, 
you know, people, you know, want to poo-poo like the technical analysis, analysis, too many lines on the chart, whatever. Um, some truth to that, but they, these these lines line up on the chart for the reason, and that's because you hit a, a point of maximum pain for some party, and that's when someone needs to flip from a seller to a buyer. The Bitcoin layer is sponsored by Foundation Devices. Now we all have talked about the dangers of letting your coins stay on an exchange. The importance of withdrawing your Bitcoin to self-custody is really part of understanding what Bitcoin is all about in the first place. Bitcoin is about avoiding centralized financial institutions. And with Foundation Devices, we are showing you guys an amazing device. It's called the Passport. And with the Passport, you can get your coins off of exchanges into custody with this beautiful, easy to use device. They also have an onboarding service that will help you get settled with your device, get comfortable with it, get to understand what it is like to actually take custody of your Bitcoin. So check out foundationdevices.com today and make sure to pick up a passport and use the promo code Bitcoin layer for $10 off your device. So on the sell off, I'd say if we go much further from here, we're getting very close to the peak amount of pain uh, on the financial system and debt capacity and just all the other boundary constraints that we were at at the worst of you know the late 70s uh, as that kind of fever uh, in the monetary system was breaking so if people want to ask is the treasury breaking how much further does it have to go at some point you know the bulls need to step in here pretty quickly and that's why you know from from some sense i would expect you know that quarter end is a key spot for these things to happen so we just went through the regional banking crisis you know it, the Silicon Valley Bank situation appeared I think it was Thursday March 7th so as you get into the end of a quarter and spring and fall are key ones just for seasonality reasons we don't need to go into the whole deep dive there but that's where you really start to see the, the kind of that easing pressure or some sort of event come into the system and take it back down so these lines um, I've drawn on the chart. You can kind of see where the where the bulls have come in during this sell-off and won some and, and actually come in and support the the long end of the curve. Um, again, we're looking at the 10-year here, not the long bond. They'll behave pretty similarly. Uh, but you still you saw an initial kind of rush back in March uh, or February, March 2022. Was it, was it 2022 when uh, the Ukraine uh, situation happened? And uh, we just rolled over. It just, I, I say that now because it feels like we're, we're clearly in some sort of geopolitical war. Um, and these these situations like take time. If you look at World War Two, you know, you're looking at the high points, low points at the and the chart. Like you kind of see the the points where it looks like the allies are winning the war or when, you know, the Japanese have, you know, won a big event, something like that. That's that's kind of like my mindset of, of where we are right now. Um, but you did see that flight in uh, or flight to quality a little tiny rally there uh, in March of 2022 then we immediately sold off in June of 2022 we found the next support along a trend line um, and that's when we saw the commodity complex roll over so remember we had just started hikes um, from the Fed um, February or March meeting 2022 I can't remember exactly when the first one was but between February and June of 2022 we hiked enough to get the commodity complex to roll over. So if you go back and look at like the oil chart or copper chart, all of those peak in June of 2022. 
and that easing and the kind of the input cost of commodities in the system was enough to make the bulls look like that um, you know they'd found their channel right but you get into you get into some support bulls are winning but then they would give it right back right and then the next point you know the bear market takes another sell-off uh, after Powell's comments of Jackson Hole last summer right Jackson Hole right now I think it's another potentially key event um, and this is a chance where you know the Fed has some some you know window to telegraph you know markets of where they'd like to guide them we can get into that here and what might be around the corner this Friday and then through the end of September uh, but we saw after Jackson Hole 2022 you actually saw the dollar complex start to roll over right you see the you know the DXY spike to I think it was 115 um, that also went well outside of its you know historic bands it even looks a little bit more bullish to me on the chart than uh, uh, Plaza Accords Peak Plaza Accords I think it got up to like 140 150 back in 1983 um, from the perspective of the hikes and how much of a squeeze was put on the system from a um, just tightening perspective it looks to me like we we pushed the top the dollar to the top end of the of the kind of the short-term channel post 2008 dollar bull market that actually pushed the dollar outside of uh the bear bands going back to this same period we're talking about here that we're hitting on treasury support from the 1981 to 1984 era that rolled the dollar complex over starting in october we started to see that pressure release in the system and you saw the long end start to come in um as the bond market started to believe that this tightening the dollar squeeze etc was going to be enough to i guess resolve the pressures in the system since july 27th this reappearance of a bear market the inversion on the front end it looks like we're in to another one of those same situations where now we need to ease the pressure out of the system again it needs to come from somewhere but we don't know where it is <laughs> so I think that's the situation we're in here for the next four to six weeks till we get to the end of uh, Q3. And I'd say, you know, from my perspective, just watching headlines, you know, watch, watching the market action, there's no shortage of places that this could come from, right? It could come from onshore, like you could see the recession that, you know, everybody's been calling for, for, I want to say like two, three years now. Um, it's been, it's been long delayed, but that may be um, one area. That, that could deliver um, this easing and uh, support the bid uh, for the bond market. It could come from offshore. So you're seeing a ton of pressure right now in Southeast Asia, I'd say it would be the hotspot. You see all kinds of headlines coming in on China. So you had a, you know, a large um, trust company, financial institution, um, Zhang Ring. This won't be a name that's familiar to, you know, Western market players. But it's basically kind of I would I would uh, think about them in terms of like the variable annuity market or the fixed annuity market in the United States just promised states of return on the back end of those are credits right um, you know, we can talk about that market in the United States it's a whole nother can of worms but you just saw in China one of those just failed to pay out their claims right um, and so you've got a hundred and I want to say like like 138 billion uh, in an asset manager here who's written these fixed annuity pro products who has just missed those payments 
uh, to their investors. So what that's reflecting is like there's some mixed like credits on the back end that are experiencing distress, and this is where you see the other side of the coin in the uh, property market in China uh, with the country garden uh, issue that's coming up. And so that could be one source of you know hotspot weakness, et cetera. And so we're you know just kind of watching. Um, you know, as market practitioners, just watching the Chinese yuan dollar exchange rate, all of the uh, fixed support levels that the um, PBOC is, is, is uh, implementing throughout their financial system could come from Japan too, so or you know something similar. So that's a whole area to watch. Um, you know, basically the whole point is like we don't know here what's happening, but it looks like we need to move to something to find the new boundary conditions. And then once we get out of that, we'll work from there. But I'd say like right now, it's very touch and go. You're watching for the next four to six weeks, if you will, get through quarter end, and then we'll reevaluate re later. But at this point in time, you're kind of seeing, um, you know, there there is somewhat of a bid coming in uh, for 30 years. I kind of highlighted on this line, the next easing comes in. I'd expect them to come in and try to support that next uh, blue line if this bear market continues. Um, and it just, I guess it just depends on where the, the system finds itself, you know, after we get through the next four to six weeks on uh, what happens more broadly than that. And so if uh, we had to put you on the spot, Matt, um, in the direction of 10-year yields, um, let's call them 4.5% today where it, because 45 would be at the new high of this cycle uh, firmly, which as of right now, we're recording on Tuesday, this will air on Wednesday, two days before Jackson Hole, but let's assume that we've broken here and we're we're at four and a half percent. Do you expect the buying to come in on global macro weakness and just a renewed bid for treasuries? Or do you expect these higher yields to give way to themselves and the breakage itself is the treasury market? Just uh you know, if you had to put uh, one way or the other, 50-50, um, where would you say we are here in the in the treasury market? Uh, how long? At, by end of quarter, you think? So let's let's say for the duration of the year. Okay. Uh, looking at looking at these lines and giving way, and is the you know with the treasury market being broken? That's the question here. Are we going to see the bid come in, or is this is this breaking itself here? Um, and I know you have the Ukraine war in the background here, and maybe that fits into your answer somehow. Yeah, um, I'd say it looks like we're in a secular bear market in treasuries. Now the question is like, how far outside of those bands can you go before you cause too much pain, and someone, something needs to come in and support. So. We're living right now, we're operating under a QT regime where, you know, the Fed through SOMA wants to force market participants to, to buy more treasuries, right? And that can be anywhere on the curve. But what you have seen, especially at the August auctions, I'll say this, like I expected the, the, a rally stronger than, or like a better rally than what we got heading into uh, the 10 year and 30 year auctions last Wednesday. So. Personally, that surprised me. I thought, you know, we, we had a Japanese government bond auction on Monday. Um, I could understand just the positioning, try to, try to, you know, this works through the yen, dollar, and all that, you know, just through the financial system to set it up so that these sovereigns have 
you know, as low and efficient of a coupon as possible because they're all over indebted, right? Everybody knows all the the G7 is in a is in a pretty tricky tricky spot for the uh, the debt to GDP situation. So my point there is, I was expecting um, better support to come in through the financial system, like just through the financial system, um, all the money center banks, etc., to come in and support these auctions better last week. Japan didn't go that well. They had a 20-year, I want to say more recently than last Monday, that didn't go well. When I say it didn't go well, it just means like it, it trailed a little bit. Like it, it wasn't like a failed auction or anything. It's just like you expected it to come in a little better. Um, treasuries were the same way. So uh, the 10-year and 30-year, I thought they would be able to get a little bit more rally um, than we did. And it actually shows on the chart here, there is a green candle where yields came in in front of the auction, but it's just, it's barely noticeable. So that didn't show up. Um, so it looks like here, this is a market where I think the, the bears are still in control. Um, and so, you know, that's a question to be seen, right? If we need to continue to run these deficits, um, and it looks like that's what the treasury plans to do, you know, based on the quarterly refunding statements they provided, right about when we saw the second inversion uh, up here in the bills curve um, at the end of July, if they want to continue running these deficits and that looks like the kind of like the forcing function of this entire problem. Um, this is probably going to continue. So I would expect the bulls to be able to, you know, for some sort of rally here, there could be an event that forces yields to come in, but the underlying problems in the bear market still to me look like they're unresolved. Um, so I would and, say, oh, one more thing. Yeah. No, and, and, would, and the, the follow-up there is if the problems are unresolved, the Treasury supply is coming, the Fed isn't the buyer. I hear in the background what you're saying is that the bears are in control because the next easing is nowhere to be found. And I'm guessing you think that Jackson Hole is going to be used as an opportunity to push out again any expectation of the Fed coming in to save the day. Is that the setup here going into Jackson Hole? Um, so I'd say the setup going into Jackson Hole has changed quite a bit in the last two to three weeks. At first, if it was the end of July and I was you know, asking around, what do you guys expect for, um, you know, what, what is the message coming out of Jackson Hole? It might have, it might have been, uh, we're going to give a lot of pats on the back for, you know, getting over that inflation impulse. Um, but I think that's changed these last few weeks as it's become pretty clear that that wasn't the whole picture. That wasn't game, set, and match. You know, that might have just been round one of the, the pressures, you know, facing the system. So I would say, you know, what, what I'm expecting, you know, just based on, I have to hear this from the tea leaves because it's a it's a it's a small club that gets to go to Jackson Hole and I'm not in it. It's only about I want to say 120, 150 people who actually get a sense of what's going on there. Uh, but in what you're what you're seeing in the press, you know the headlines, etc. Uh, it sounds now like uh, the messaging is going to center around higher R star, higher neutral policy rate, and and what I take that as that's just coded language for we're actually going to be dealing with a uh, higher interest rate regime, which aligns with the bear market's messaging at the end of the day, um, that, you know, the, 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 the era of a 1.25 30-year bond, you know, issued in Q2 tw uh, 2020 over, you know, what I consider to be um, one of the most significant policy errors 
you know, what will go down as one of the most significant policy errors of all time in Fed history, that Q2 or Q1 2020 monetary impulse, those days are gone, most likely. Um, it will take something, you know, pretty extreme to get back at that, that low end of the channel of what we saw then. So I would say going in Jackson Hole, it kind of aligns with the, the bear's message, surprisingly, you know, as, as hard as it is to triangulate these and find where the boundary conditions are. Um, it sounds to me like they're coming to the realization that uh, higher for longer is, you know, again, part of that, that messaging. And you're kind of seeing this and, you know, across all curves and, and higher for longer may be consistent with some cuts starting, you know, it could be as soon as Q4, could be 2024. You, you might get cuts, but you won't be able to go back to the zero bound or don't expect, um, you know, a massive QE regime or, or support. Um, that is despite, you know, I was getting at this point earlier, we're living under a QT environment, but there is, you can see it in the bills auctions, you know, on the weekly tear sheets, um, the, the longer durations are getting more support than the front end bills. So right now, kind of the SOMA purchases, the rollovers going into bills, let's say on a $65 billion bill auction, you're getting somewhere five, $6 billion in, you know, from SOMA reinvested and rolled over on the 10 year and 30 year last week. You'll just use the 10-year for a guideline. You had like a $31.6 billion auction. Maturity's coming due in 10 years. So that's going to live there for a long time uh, on the balance sheet. The Fed had to come in and support that one with $8.6 in rollovers. So the ratio of how much you know, SOMA is financing the longer-end uh, auctions, it's a lot bigger. Uh, you know, we're talking a couple billion dollars, two to three billion dollars, than, than what they have to do in the front end. Um, and it, and it's, and it's much lower capacity as well. So the balance sheet capacity out 10 years out, 30 years out, it's not the same degree of, you know, front end, low duration risk, low credit risk, um, that the system is for now just, just gobbling up. So yeah, I would say that, you know, the messaging at Jackson Hole I'd expect is that higher R starred, um, is coming from like the, the Hawks camp and then from the Doves camp, you're seeing pressure on the um the entire idea that we need to raise the inflation target to, to from two to three percent which i mean you couldn't be at further extremes of the spectrum i think if you're if you're dividing you know those two camps and looking at policy you know one end is saying let's just let go of the the uh the inflation target and the other says like no we're gonna we're gonna set um policy rates higher um and, and rates in r star just completely different uh camp so right now you know, it's a TB, TBD who wins, but ultimately it'll be the it'll be the markets who decide. Matt, we'll get to discuss it in person in Austin on Friday together when the Jackson Hole headlines hit. Uh, Matt Dines, thank you so much for joining us once again at the Bitcoin Layer. Matt, uh, tell our audience where they can find you online. Yep, um, you can find me on uh, I would say Twitter, but now I guess it's X. Um, my handle is at buildcio. Um, you know, I don't know how much longer we have, uh, in these days on X, it seems to be changing so fast, but for now that's where you can reach me. All right. Thanks. And we'll see you guys next time. Thank you. Special thanks to river for sponsoring this channel. Purchase Bitcoin without any fees. When you use rivers DCA feature. 
River has become our trusted source of accessing the Bitcoin market because they don't use any third-party custodians. This is a very, very important thing to understand. River is not using another company to store the Bitcoin for them. They have their own multi-signature solutions, which means that they have designed their own way to make sure nobody else has responsibility for the Bitcoin for the time that you have River hold your Bitcoin for you on their platform once you have purchased it. So go check out river.com today. Thanks for sticking with us. As always at the Bitcoin layer, subscribe to our channel, subscribe to our Substack at the bitcoinlayer.substack.com so that you can follow along our latest research and analysis.